How's it going, folks? This is Captain Cam with Blackbird Guide Services, and I'll be your host for today's episode of Eastern Current. And I'm really excited about this one. I have been a big fan of Space Coast Flies for a while now, and I had the opportunity to talk to Sam, who is uh, one of the owners of Space Coast Flies, on the podcast today. And we get into a bunch of stuff regarding fly fishing, fly tying, but talk a lot about their company and what they offer fly fishing in Alabama, comparing that to fly fishing in North Carolina uh, and a lot of other interesting stuff. So stay tuned and we'll talk to you soon. If you're like us here at Eastern Current, your boat trailer takes a beating. That's why we want to tell you about Coastal Trailer Repair, located here in Wilmington, North Carolina. At Coastal Trailer Repair, they strive to bring quality work at a reasonable price, specializing in trailer hubs, springs, and all things electrical and wiring. If you have an issue with your trailer, look no further than Coastal Trailer Repair to get you back on the road. You can find their information in the podcast show notes. Sam, how are you? I'm good, Cam. Glad to talk to you. Yeah, I've, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on. I have been a, a big fan of, of Space Coast Flies for a while now. And oh, I'm, I'm excited because I haven't had like a specifically or a solely like a fly tire or, or really just fly fishing in general podcast in a while. So hopefully we can geek out a little bit on, on fly tying and, and fly fishing. So I'm, I'm sure you're the perfect guy for that. Oh, absolutely. I always have time to talk about flies or fishing or both, any of that stuff. Yeah. So, um, tell us a little bit about you and your fishing experience and, and kind of how you came to owning the Space Coast Flies. Yeah, so I actually live in Gulf Shores, Alabama, uh, on the coast for about 40 minutes west of Pensacola, Florida. Um, just a little small beach town tourist trap here in South Alabama. Um, grew up here fishing my whole life. I've fished as long as I can remember. Um, actually did not find fly fishing till later in life, uh, maybe six or seven years ago. Uh, I had some a few friends that did it growing up, but just never caught that bug. I was just kind of like stuck in my ways. And then finally, uh, later in life, I just needed, needed something new, needed something inspiring and, and found, uh, fly fishing and fly tying and tying really got me more into fly fishing in general. I just, I've always been a creative, um, graphic designer and photographer, uh, as my main job. Uh, and I really loved the aspect of tying. Uh, that's what kind of like really drew me in. And so, but I grew up doing everything, everything inshore, had an offshore boat for a while with my dad. We did a lot of, you know, blue water trolling and reef fishing here and kind of went through the whole gamut of everything you can do from live bait to, you know, strictly artificial trout guy. And then, and then caught the fly fishing bug. Um, yeah. And, and, uh, growing up, uh, we surfed, skateboarded, played music. Um, and my friend Ian, uh, one of my best friends from childhood, uh, he fished younger too. We actually, like in our early twenties, we moved to Satellite Beach, Florida together. 
and uh, he's still there. So that's where the name Space Coast comes from. Uh, he's still there. I'm here. I do all the packing and shipping. Uh, we split the tying duties. And uh, so that's everybody's always confused <laughs> as yeah. to why it's Space Coast. So, you know, when, when they're talking to me anyways, they're just right, like, right. why is it Space Coast flies? You're in Alabama. That's not the Space Coast. But um, it was his idea to start the business. And uh, I helped along with it from the start. And then it just snowballed into it's a whole, a whole other business that, you know, we never really imagined. Um, this is our, actually just had our fifth year anniversary this nice. month. Heck yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah time flies. <laughs> I've, I've been really impressed with y'all's flies in general. And how does it work f- from a business perspective? It, it, are all the flies ones that you guys tie or is it, are, are you getting flies from other tires as well and then selling those? Two. How, yeah, how does that work? Um, yeah, it's both. Um, originally, it was just flies from us personally. You know, it was, you know, really small batches, and we played. You know, we we tried to keep up. We, you know, we the first launch of the website, it was everything was like tied to order. Mm-hmm. So you order, we would you know tie, and it, that just becomes like a whole you know a whole issue on itself. Um, getting stuff out in a timely manner. So. Uh, we started reaching out like a few years into it. Um, you know, the demand was there. So we started reaching out to like bigger companies. Some, we brought in some mass produced flies. So we always had like staples in stock mm-hmm. and then we would still do our customs. And then we really, you know, everybody loves the custom side. Uh, they like having, you know, those one of a kind flies. So we started reaching out to other people because we noticed there was a lot of, a lot of guys that were like, just really awesome, talented tires, but you know, they just did it. They did it for fun. They might sell through Instagram, um, but they didn't have like an online store or like a presence where people could go like consistently buy. So we started reaching out, trying to partner with some guys so we could, you know, keep our site fresh. Um, Cause you know, not everybody, everybody tying has a different style. So we really love to like, bring in these guys with, you know, they have totally different flies and totally different fisheries than ours, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. Uh, even though some of them are pretty close. So, uh, we start reaching out. So actually now we have, we have, you know, mass produced flies that we constantly keep in stock. We do our small batch customs from ourselves and our, uh, collective of tires. Uh, we try to drop new flies every Friday. Um, we announce those through like social media and stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, just always trying to keep it fresh and interesting. Yeah, I mean, from a fly fisherman's perspective, it's 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 really powerful to have all the th- that amount of custom flies. And yeah, the, to your point, there's so many creative tires out there. I mean, of course, my Instagram just because I probably post this stuff sometimes, uh, and and you know use fly tying hashtags, but like my feed is just full of people tying flies and every, almost every time I get on, I'm, I'm fairly mind blown by how talented some of these people are. It is absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, you're right. It is. Yeah. I'm the same thing. I scroll all day and, and it's just like, there's always like a new take on a fly or, you know, a new material coming in, it's really hard to even just keep up. <laughs> yeah, uh, it really is. You know? I'll stick to but, my, I'll stick to my yeah. simple redfish flies for now. Um, yeah. And it's funny cause those always work. 
You know, I have flies right. that like right. go to. They're the easiest thing. You know, a tail, some brush. Yeah, I catch fish on them over and over again. But like tying as an art, you that's a whole different rabbit that's hole. A you whole can go down. Different you know, yeah, and it's I, like it's almost separate than the fish than the actual fishing of them. You yeah, because like you don't you don't need all that stuff, but it, that's where the fun is. You know? Yeah, that's like, right. Sit down and create. That's right. And so. there's there's some flies that you know might have started out as as a fly for a completely different species other than redfish that might mm-hmm. work that might work just incredibly well for redfish and you you can probably uh correct me if i'm wrong but one of the flies that you guys carry i believe is like a topwater i think it's called the sipper yep the sipper that's probably how like i you know one of our best sellers and one of our like truly original patterns that we didn't, you know, that we kind of, he made actually, Ian came up with it. We had a lot of discussion, like, you know, through prototyping and figuring out what was going to work. And then also, you know, trying to make it easy to tie because if we need to produce them, you know, it's gotta be simple enough. Um, you know, it's easy to sit down and and come up with some crazy elaborate thing, but then do you want to tie a hundred of those? No, you know, <laughs> yeah, so, right. no, you, you kind of like construct a fly and then you almost have to deconstruct it. Yeah. Like you almost have to scale it back down and go, okay, what's truly necessary? You know, we need the function, we need the profile. And then, uh, you know, how can we make this as simple as possible to like recreate consistently? So yeah, the, but the sipper has been great. And to your point, like where you, you have an idea of a fly, and you have it like you almost have it in mind for a species and then we make it and sell it and then we get you know people from all over the world and different parts of the world and country that will like reach out and go like oh man like you know this works so good on on this species like the sipper you know we had mm-hmm. guys catching golden dorado on it in argentina and then you know guys catching striper on it in the northeast and other things we never had in mind you know we're just thinking tarpon snook you know maybe redfish so yeah, it's, it's really really cool to see what people do with it. Yeah, one hundred percent, and that, that kind of is an interesting thing that you said too. I bet from from y'all's perspective in owning a fly company, you get to hear so many cool stories of people buying flies and going somewhere super exotic and and trying these things out on species that you you might have never even thought of them being used for, which is a really yeah. really cool. Um, thing to hear about absolutely we had a guy the other day um from costa rica talking about the sipper and he had kubera snapper uh i hope he sends me video because i hope it's real like he was <laughs> like i had kubera snapper eating the, that top water you know Golly. And, he, and he had tied it a little differently than us. i mean same concept but just a few different materials because of what he had but it's like you know you can learn a lot from from your customers you know that's the fun of tying you, you always you know, taking little bits and pieces from what you hear and what you see and, and trying to make something on your own. Yeah. There's no doubt. I have a funny story about that zipper fly. I have a, uh, a client who's really become a, a good friend who is damned and determined to catch a redfish on that zipper fly. Yeah. <laughs> and he, I don't think he's, uh, I think he ordered some, but they hadn't come in, um, by the time I took him on the last trip. So he, he, uh, tried to tie one up himself and I don't even think we ever broke it out cause we didn't find fish that were, it was, th- this is like yeah. middle of winter 
you know, oh, yeah. if they're going to eat top water, they got to be pretty fired up. And we, we didn't mm-hmm. ever find like a group of fish that really looked like they would commit to something on the surface. Um, yeah. but I guarantee you, I think his next trip is in April. Uh, he will show up with some sippers <laughs> and I'm, I'm very much hoping that, uh, we, we can find some fish that are, that are fired up and looking to eat on the surface. That's generally when it starts to kind of pop off on, on some top water stuff. So hopefully yeah, there's, there's nothing better. There's nothing no, better. No, there is nothing better. You know, stick their eyeballs out of the water and eat it. So yeah. Yeah. Um, but going back a little bit to just the creativity of, of fly fishing and how there's so many talented fly tires out there. One that I can't remember his name, but he was doing like a, a fly fishing competition, I believe, or a fly tying competition. And he created like a black widow fly that you if you held it five feet out from your face, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference if it was. Oh man, I think f- I saw that. Yeah, you might I've have. Seen, yeah, that guy makes super realistic like insects, and I still I see pictures of him. I I, I can't even comprehend how it's made. <laughs> no, no. And then the other guy that comes to mind, um, you'll probably you probably have heard of this guy. I think his name's like Guy Gian or something. But he's the one that he makes like uh, almost fly tying art where. Oh, the, like the billfish and the mahi. Yeah, the billfish. And yeah, and it's like he puts them in a frame, but it's like a, mm-hmm. it's a mahi chasing, you know. Um, yeah, a little flying fish. Little flies, flying like, fish. Yeah. Yeah. That I mean, stuff it's is amazing. Oh, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of resin work and he uses the uh, peacock feathers for the back of the mahi. Like, yep. Yeah, I, yep. Want, I want one of those to hang on the wall. I don't know if, you know, it's one of those things like I want to throw it, but I don't, you know, it's too, it's too nice. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. yeah, it probably took, I mean, if I tried yeah, to create that, it would take me months. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, like I said, that's, that's the art side of it, you know. Like that's way past the functionality. Not that they won't work. They, <laughs> right. I'm sure they. I'm sure they do. Uh, is it necessary? No, but uh, it's awesome. That's for sure. Um, well, tell me a little bit about the the fishing in Alabama because all around you, I feel like you have really good fishing. Uh, Mississippi. What's... Yeah, we're kind of like yeah, being like centrally located somewhat. Uh, on the northern gulf it's it's very very diverse here um that's what i love about it that's what it kind of like i guess that kind of molded my fishing style throughout the years i'm i'm not like one track minded i'm always scatterbrained uh never know what to target because there's there's so many different species here to target in different ways you know to target them like even our redfish like you can catch them off the beaches in massive schools you can catch those fish you know in the marsh and six or eight inches of water um you know there's everything from from blue water to you know largemouth bass we have a huge variety uh i like to surf fish a lot i like to wade in the surf in the springtime for pompano and and large speckled trout um you know bonita spanish mackerel all that stuff but then we have the usual suspects the you know the redfish and and black drum Mm -hmm. Uh, I spent a lot of my time, uh, Gulf side, and then we have some, you know, really fishy inshore areas. Uh, you know, our rivers can really produce, especially in the winter time. 
but then there's you know there's really good shallow water fishing here too that people don't don't necessarily think of we have some marshy areas and we have some like wide open sand flats with you know crystal clear water at times Mm -hmm. so we're kind of on that line we have the the panhandle you know the florida panhandle side of it that's where it's like clean water and the fish are really spooky and then we also have like a little hint of the mississippi louisiana side where it's you know sometimes our water is a little dingy but you know our fish definitely you know they eat um you know they can be really tough but like it's kind of a, a good mix that keeps you on your toes that's for sure yeah man it sounds like you have the best of both worlds so you get as far as like in the marsh is concerned uh, you get redfish speckled trout flounder yep sheep's head sheep's head um, black drum or sheep's head are nearly impossible on fly that's one that i still have not figured out <laughs> uh, me neither but, let me know when uh, you do yeah, yeah, I don't know if anybody has, you know, I've caught a few, but over in Louisiana, but ours, man, you can't get close to them. Uh, if you get close, they don't care nothing about it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really tough, you know, I mean, they get caught, but on artificial or fly, it's, it's definitely tricky. It's interesting to think about sheep's head and, and, um, I don't want to say that they're easy to catch in Louisiana. I mean, I, I've been there a handful of times, and I've never caught one, but I really haven't seen that many. But this, the, but some of the people that I talked to and, and a couple of the people I know that have, have guided there for a long time are like, they eat really well there. They It doesn't have to, fly doesn't have to look exactly like a crab. I wonder what it is that makes them there want to eat more than like ours here in North Carolina. I mean, if you don't have a live crab or a piece of cut crab on the hook, I, it, mm-hmm. they seem almost impossible to catch. Yeah. On that, artificial. That's what I feel like here. I had the same, you know, I haven't fished Louisiana a ton, but I've been over there several times. And the first one I ever threw at over there was a big one. He was like six and a half pounds or something crawling down the bank. And, I even said it out loud when I was casting. He's not going to eat it. And I, I mean, I put it a couple feet in front of him. He charged it like a redfish and just inhaled it. <laughs> and I've seen him eat like big, you know, and everyone we caught was on, you know, bigger flies, like bigger redfish flies. Brother got one on like a two aught big, like gold and orange, like bull red fly. And it came up on the surface and ate. Um, it's just the strangest thing, you know, and I, I can't say they're always like that. You know, we just got lucky that day. I'm, I'm not sure, but. It, it was just like everyone we threw at at least gave it a hard look. Yeah. And in that, I could just tell their just whole demeanor was different than our fish. Like ours, your line's in the air and they're gone. <laughs> you know, they, they're super aware. I don't know if it's a pressure thing or just, I don't know why they're so happy over there, but it's, it's nice to see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. The fact that it's possible. Um, yeah. I've had the, the, the day that I realized I will never catch one of these things on a fly unless it's maybe on like, we see them a lot on flood tides actually. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but they're so freaking zoned in on just digging on the bottom or, you know, eating the snails off the grass or whatever that they, they just really don't pay attention to a fly a lot of times. Yeah. Um, but the, the day that I realized that it, how hard it was going to be to catch one on, on fly in particular, I was, uh, fishing these i had spinning rods with me and i was fishing these 
uh, bridge pilings for sheep's head specifically. And uh, before I even put a crab in the water, the water was pretty clear. I could see like, I mean, every two minutes, one was coming up on the piling and then going back down, Yeah, you know, and mm-hmm. I was standing, it's just like big concrete area and I was standing on it and I had a fly that looked about as close to like a real crab as you can make it look. Um, yeah. it was, I didn't tie it. It was one that I bought and it looked just like a mud crab, which they absolutely crush here. And, mm-hmm. um, I literally dangled that thing just like you would if you were fishing a, a piling with a spinning rod and had a, had a real crab on a, on a bottom sweeper or, or something similar. And, uh, I was dangling it in front of him and literally no, no reaction. Didn't even look at it. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, uh, went back in the boat, got some of that, uh, procure, like, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was like crab procure. Did yeah. it again. No, zero interest. And I was like, oh my gosh. All right. Yeah. If they don't need it thinner, then it's really, it's really yeah. not happening. Right. I, the, the closest I've gotten on fly fishing is with black flies here. And they honestly weren't crab patterns, but they were smaller, just kind of like quan slider looking yeah. things. And I've, I've, <laughs> man, I've had them follow the fly for 10, 15 yards just bouncing around yeah. the bottom and they'll swim up real quick, fast behind it. Stop. As soon as I stop the fly and then I'll move it again, they'll swim up to the fly and stop. That's about as close as I've come to, get, to getting one to eat. Yeah. I've, I've had a couple eat here. I miss, I miss both of them. And it's always the ones that follow are real interested. It's always, I'm, I'm never targeting them for one, you know, um, actually have some spots now that I've, I've found them pretty consistently. And I want to go back with some, some newer flies that I've uh, been working up, you know, specifically to try to target them. But it seems like all that goes out the window because every time I get one's reaction, it's not a fly that I would assume they would follow. Right. Um, You know, and it's, you know, I'm throwing something at redfish or, you know, more of a bait fish or, you know, just something off the wall. And, and then I get a reaction and it's, you know, it just makes my wheels turn. I'm like, I don't, I don't even know I'm lost, you know, and, but it's fun because it makes you just really rethink, you know, the, the way you tie and like your approach. Um, same with Pompano here. I target the Pompano a lot on the beach. And when I first like got dedicated, I'm like, I want to catch these things on fly. You know, you read and you read everything about, you know, sand fleas. You know, of course, we catch them on sand fleas. We catch them on ghost shrimp and, uh, you know, traditional fishing. And so I start throwing sand flea flies and, and I caught fish, you know. Uh, they absolutely work. But, and then when I switch gears, our, our big trout show up on the beach, I'm throwing more of like a, a finger mullet pattern, you know, like a craft for a bait fish, a lot of movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started catching more pompano on those flies than I ever did on the sand fleas. And, and like the smaller, you know, more compact patterns. So interesting. And it just, and just really made me like rethink it all going, okay, uh, you know, those flies obviously work, but I'm, I'm catching them on this, you know, let's, when we're specifically targeting them, let's, let's switch it up and it, you know, and it works. So it's just like, you know, you always got to try some different things because, you know, you can't get stuck on what, you know, the internet tells you or, you know, what somebody else had success with. Um, you know, it's always a good place to start, but, uh, you know, 
try to branch out because <laughs> yeah. you'll be really surprised in what you find. Because I've seen my friend caught a sheep's head in Louisiana. He was throwing a bait fish, a little black bait fish, at, uh, and that sheep's head was eating off the grass. You know, sticking his head up, I guess, eating stuff off the saw grass. And he threw it in there and it tracked it, you know, on the surface and ate it. And I was like, I never, I, you know, if you told me to pick a fly for that fish, it would never have been that one, ever. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. Being on the water day in and day out throughout the season, our boats take a beating. Whether we need fiberglass work, new non-skid, hole painting, rigging, and electrical, or full-blown custom restoration, Brock Boatworks has you covered. Specializing in high-end skiffs, bay boats, and center consoles, their attention to detail and customer service ensures that you have the work done right the first time so you don't have to get it done again. You can find their information in the podcast show notes. I did. I'm glad you brought up Pompano again, though, because that's something, at least for me, we get Pompano that come through here, um, but I really have not spent that much time trying to figure them out, trying to catch them. Um, I know that surf fishermen catch them on, like, fish bites and, and um, yep. sand fleas and whatnot. But tell us a little bit about how you how you target them. Are you, are you looking – for them like can you see them or are you is it total blind casting it's a it's a little bit of both we do a we do a lot of blind casting um i say blind casting but we're you know we're targeting specific areas whether it be like a washout you know a nice trough a nice ledge um you know like picking apart a creek mouth kind Mm -hmm. of always uh I've done like a couple little seminars on surf fishing and, you know, cause people get really intimidated when it comes to the beach cause they go out there and it just seems vast and endless and, you know, uh, no structure, you know, to like the naked eye. But when you really start, um, putting in some time, you'll see all the little different, you know, variances and, and changes in depth. We, we just always look for any type of structure. Um, so whether that be just a nice drop off and it can be something small, you know, but you'll see that change in the bar or you'll see that break in the bar where the water's flowing out from a tide pool. Um, anything like that is, you know, always causes a congregation of fish cause it's flushing that bait out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, different tides obviously produce better than others and times of the year. But, uh, when it is clear, you can sight fish them. Um, you'll see them flashing. If you're on the skiff, you're either pulling or, you know, trolling motor down the beach. You, you can sight fish them that way. Um, but if not, we'll just target those like high traffic areas, uh, points or around the rock jetties and stuff like that. Uh, I throw intermediate lines in the surf, um, just to keep it down in the zone and keep that, you know, like a floating line will get washed around, uh, mm-hmm. by the waves too much and cause a little too much slack. So you don't feel the bikes that way. Um, I fish a lot of bright flies here. Our water is typically a little off color, but it does get like super, super clean on the beach at times. Uh, but even, even in that clean water, I, I find the brighter flies really work for Pompano. They're, they're sight feeders and, and, uh, you know, they're a little jack. So they, they're super aggressive. It seems like when I find them, it's, it's kind of almost rare to get like truly denied a lot. Um, they're usually pretty opportunistic and they're, you know, they're hungry. If you put it in front of them, they, they can really be a blast on, on fly oh, once you kind of figure out a pattern for your area. I know everywhere is different, but my experience here um when we find them they usually eat pretty good do you what what do you know what water temperature they usually are around um, your area our, in 
we'll start seeing them. I think like high sixties, low seventies. Um, they'll start showing up in like more numbers. We catch them. There's been some caught recently. Our water's in the mid fifties right now. Gotcha. Uh, so they're there. You can catch them all month, but like in the springtime, we get our big, our big run of them uh, in the spring, and then like another like a solid push in the fall as well. Uh, but you can catch them all year long. But spring is definitely like you know May, June. Uh, that water starts warming up, getting in the you know seventies, upper seventies. They they get real active. Such cool looking fish too. I mean, about as close to a permit as you can get. <laughs> yep, yeah. We have a few permits showing up here too with them. It's so strange. Do you uh, really? Yeah, there's actually like a handful of them caught every year. Um, quite a few the last few years. Not on fly. I know one guy that got one on fly, or actually a couple guys that have gotten them now. But yeah, they they're just mixed in. I, I dive a lot of spearfish. Um, I've seen them in groups on our jetties and these are smaller fish. They're, you know, 12 inches. I've seen them up to my buddy shot one thought it was a huge pompano. It was like eight pounds. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. Which is a good one, but most of them caught her, you know, just a couple pounds, two, three pounds. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's definitely crazy that they just, I never saw them my whole life. I know there's more people, but I, you know, there's been some snook caught here recently. Uh, there's been some really small bonefish caught by the surf fishermen. No uh, so, so strange. Yeah. And everyone was like, yeah, keep it coming. Cause I'll never, I'll never leave here if we keep getting all these species, you know? Yeah, seriously. So, global yeah. global I mean, warming be, might be doing you favors. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if anything good comes of it, it's definitely going to make the fishing better. Yeah. So, I, at least bring, at least bring us some new species. That's right. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm still waiting for snook to start showing up in north carolina but i think that's a yeah. little while from happening yeah yeah <laughs> uh, we get you know the migratory tarpon you know in summertime uh late spring summer you know the big tarpon migrate up and and pass through here so and they're all the the big adults is that so, um is that a pretty targeted species tarpon there or is it yeah yeah, it's definitely, you know, we've always had them. They used to come into our bay a lot more. Um, uh, but, yeah, it's definitely like a, I don't say reliable, but, you know, a lot of people target them now. You know, word, word is out when they're here. You know, social media it spreads fast. Yeah. Uh, so, so when they show up, you know, guys are catching them off the piers. Everybody's out targeting them. Uh, it's not done on fly a lot until recently. Um, you know, we've, we've been we've been trying to figure all that out. So, uh, that's always something to look forward to. Like I said, it's so diverse here. It seems like every other month we're switching gears, you know, either, you know, downsizing or upsizing rods and flies and you yeah. know, trying to, trying to keep up with it. You know, it's, uh, it's interesting going back to the permit discussion. This could be totally false. I don't think it is because I the people the, the people that I've heard it from are are pretty reliable, but it's always mm-hmm. like he said, she said thing. Yeah. But we have a there's a tower out in the middle of the ocean in North Carolina. It's called Frying Pan Tower. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know guys that I have some friends that have uh, done some spearfishing trips there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a really really popular spot for spearfishing, and honestly, I could. Um, 
I know a couple of people that spearfish out there that I, I could probably get the answer to this question, but, mm-hmm. uh, certain times a year that tower, which is like, I want to say it's 20 miles offshore and it's essentially like at the tip of a really, really, really long, uh, shoal. It's not like shallow out there by any means, but that shoal kind of mm-hmm. runs out a very long ways. Um, okay. How that, deep is it? Is it like 40 feet or something there? Or is it much deeper than that? I want to say it's like 60 feet. Okay. Yeah. I think. Um, but it drops off pretty soon after that, I would imagine. It does, yeah. And that's kind of like that whole area around there is, is you know, a lot of ledges, a lot of live bottom, a lot of just kind mm-hmm. of, it's, it's great bottom fishing area. Um, yeah. But that tower supposedly, supposedly has a lot of permit on it certain times oh, of year, cool. which I'm like, permit in North Carolina? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell me more. Um, yeah. Like, I need to go out there and drop some crabs to the bottom. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's believable. I know that, you know, the towers, you know, South Florida, they hold them. And I would think when the water, you know, the warm water pushes up there, uh, you know, no fences in the ocean. So <laughs> if they're here, I would imagine, you know, I'd imagine they can make their way up there. Um, that'd be awesome. That's another thing. Like, you know, we have a lot of oil rigs here off our coast and they start at like a mile or two off the beach. Really? on the west end of our island and so we have a, a ton of gas rigs and so we had, we fish i mean i'll take my flats boat to them you know on the calmer days wow. you can catch red catch red snapper king mackerel you know bonita jacks all that stuff all kind of reef species out there amberjack uh and you could do it like in a in a flats boat and it's always like a plan b you know if you're running around and you can't find the red or anything then you can always like stop at a rig and throw, throw a sink line or chum up some snapper and and uh you know just experience something different yeah that is unbelievable i always see these pictures from guys in louisiana that go out there and um fish these oil rigs and are just catching like absolute insane amounts of very large fish from cobia to tuna to snapper to grouper um is that all just because that's just structure that that these fish are yep. holding to, or are these are these oil rigs, like uh, I guess more specifically in Louisiana, maybe are they also kind of in areas that have a lot of live bottom and 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 ledges? And you know, they you. they are positioned in areas that have uh, that probably are pretty fishy areas anyway. It seems like a lot of them are definitely the structure that draws the, the amounts of fish there because i mean you know they're any anywhere from 30 feet of our rig starting like i think our shallowest ones are like 25 feet of water but they go all the way to past the shelf you know you'll have the floating rigs and six thousand feet of water um but it's top to bottom structure and they're and they're massive we do a lot of free diving and spear fishing uh, i've done a ton of diving out of louisiana like you mentioned we you know we dive over there for wahoo and tuna and mahi and cobia and um you know at a fushan in venice and it's just insane the life and over there i mean here are they're near our bay our big mobile bay it has five rivers that flow into mobile bay so there's so much sediment and life at the mouth of that bay and that's where the rigs are as well Mm -hmm. um so it is like a 
a fishy area. And then in Louisiana, of course, you have the Mississippi River and everything. And, it, you know, and it sticks so far down there that deep water's closer there. Um, yeah, it's, it's really cool. I want to spend more time out there, like, with the fly rods because uh, it can be really exciting. One, you never know what you can get into out there, uh, whether it be big jacks or kings. You know, they can be a, a blast. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, and they're reachable. Like I said, our close ones are reachable, even in a, even in a flats boat. You wouldn't think my little seventeen Missy skiff would be on oil rigs, you know. But <laughs> yeah, here you know here it's doable. So that's looking really forward cool. to a, you know spring come for that. That's super cool to have that option. Um, speaking of sinking lines, um, mm-hmm. at least here in in North Carolina, like a lot of the really good bottom fishing stuff for for gripper and um, snapper and a lot of that stuff is like probably 60 to 90 feet deep. Uh, mm-hmm. that that's like reachable in a, in a bay boat, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, a, another client of mine who's, who's also, uh, a good friend now has gotten really into like really heavy sinking line and then bottom fishing with that. In, yeah. the, in those areas and he has he's catching like red snapper grouper all types of stuff and i'm like man that is a freaking awesome idea and i can't remember yeah. the name of the line but it's like reef something reef yeah there, there's a ton now um on my sink setups i think are all on like some Cortland. uh i use some scientific angler i forget what their new one is they come out with new you know it's never ending they come out with new stuff all the time and there's definitely some better stuff out there but when i'm here i i throw like a 12 weight um offshore i have some lighter setups but if i'm like truly going offshore because you never know what you what you can get into you know and it's like a lot of times yeah i don't want to i don't want to catch a five pound snapper on a 12 weight but i know there's 50 pound amberjack there you know and they're going to eat the same fly and so it's like it's hard to gear appropriately because you don't you really don't know what you're going to get into. Right, and if right. you go, if you go too light, you're just going to get wrecked and you don't want to be losing hundred dollar fly lines to the reef, you know, also. <laughs> and it's, and it's a lot of vertical, you know, once you hook those fish, you know, unless it's like a king or something, it's a lot of vertical, you know, you need lifting power because mm-hmm. you're fighting them up and down. Uh, but that's cool to hear that they're doing it up there. I think that's, you know, an element of fly fishing that doesn't get enough attention because it's, you know, it can actually really be productive. Yeah. Um, you know, I haven't sure. done it enough. I've, I mean, I've done it quite a bit, but I, w- I would like to do that more um, just to see what's possible, you know, just to kind of challenge yourself to figure out something new. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I, I, he's really one of the only, I'm sure other people do it in North mm-hmm. Carolina. He's just really one of the only people that I've heard about doing it recently. And, uh, I mean, just kind of light bulbs were going off in my head. I'm like, man, even though, cause I, I feel like when people think about saltwater fly fishing, the first thought is sight fishing. And mm-hmm. I think there's just so much more opportunity than I love sight fishing. By all means, it's my favorite, but yeah, I think there's a lot more opportunity than people realize with fly fishing in the, in the saltwater. Yeah. 100%. I, uh, I kind of got into that really soon after, you know, cause I said, I grew up fishing, I'm 40 now and I, you know, fish my whole life here and, and I knew my ways of catching fish. And so when I started fly fishing, I was like, well, I can, 
I think I know those fish are there. Like, how do I get the, how do I get the fly to them? You know, mm-hmm. or how do I catch them in those situations when I can't see them? You know, I'm like, well, okay, well, I used to go throw these plugs here, these swim baits here. You know, if I can get a fly that's a similar profile in that same zone, why would it not work? And it does. Um, obviously it's not exciting. Everybody wants to see the fish eat, you know, sight fishing is, is the pinnacle, you know, I mean, that's probably the reason everybody gets into fly fishing for that presentation and everything. But, you know, there's days where that can't happen. So it's really cool to like think outside the box and go, you know, how can we figure out how to get them to do this, you know, to eat this in that situation. And that's, that's really fun for me. I I just kind of, lean that direction like uh yeah i could pick up a spinner rod and do that easy but I, I, i've done that you know i did that my whole life and i'm kind of like i just want to figure out a new way to do it and i think that's kind of the natural progression of what leads people to the fly rod that's what led me and then talking to other people it seems you know a lot of people do that same thing you know they they want to catch a bunch of fish and then they want to catch them a certain way you know only artificial and then they need something new they pick up a fly rod and then you know so uh, it's really cool to see, and and I think dredging is awesome. It can be, it can be awful. You know, it can throw in those <laughs> heavy sink lines, and you know, counting to forty to let it sink deep. And but when it happens, it's you know, it's as good a time as any. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's, yeah. it's always more rewarding. I think. Yeah. You know, just yeah, it really is. It's a different process. You're not going to catch as many fish. Uh. But it, it, but it is really rewarding when you, when you finally get one on. Um, yeah. But yeah, to your point a little bit about just kind of, you know, moving to fly fishing for, for other species. One thing I, I did probably more of this year than I ever have in my life was uh, fly fishing for speckled trout because we, I mean, we have a good red fishery, but there's mm-hmm. certain days where it's either cloudy and windy or they're just not doing where you want them to do. And, and it speckled trout really became my fallback for a lot of fly fishing trips. And, um, it took me a little while to, to figure it out on like mm-hmm. what flies to use and what line works best. And given it's always going to be a little bit, you're, you're never going to really have like the complete ideal setup because the current's going to be different in some places than others. And it's going to be deeper or shallower or whatever. But yeah, man, a six weight with some sinking line is super fun for speckled yeah. trout. I mean, it's an absolute blast. I usually don't have them pull it out unless it's like pretty good. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I don't really want us like, uh, you know, blind cast, blind cast, blind cast for 45 minutes and catch one speckled trout. But man, if you can pull up to a spot, yeah, you, you can know, find the schools. Yeah. Yeah. And just, you, you know, them hold up yeah catch 10 or 15 of them on fly that's it's super fun it's absolutely yeah. a ton of fun um, you know our i'm sure it's the same there like our fish go up into the river systems in the winter time when it cools off and they hold they stage up a little bit deep deeper but they school up real tight you know you when you get on a bite it's usually like that you can catch a lot and i've had a ton of fun days where you know it's blowing or it's dirty and there's nothing else to do and we'll go up these creeks or you know into a little deeper zone and do the same thing like you're talking about though an intermediate or sinkline with a clouser or small bait fish and you know yeah once you find them it's you know you can catch them every cast and, and sometimes and that yeah. you know nobody's going to complain about that no definitely not 
And if yeah. you do, I'll throw you off the boat. Um, yeah. <laughs> and the big trout are probably one of the hardest things. Like we get a big trout on the flat sometimes, like a big solo trout on the flat is one of the hardest fish to oh, catch yeah. in my opinion. I, I mean, would, they I are, they're, that. they're smart. <laughs> they're really, really hard. I'm not like huge on trout fishing. Like I don't want to go target a bunch of schoolies, you know, unless it's like a, like you said, like a plan B, mm-hmm. but like when those big, you know, upper 20, 30 inch trout are cruising on the flat, it like, it gets your blood flowing for sure. <laughs> yes, no doubt. Man, big trout is something to behold. Yeah. Um, what is your, what is your go-to for trout fly-wise? Is it the Clouser? The Clousers really produce, um, everything really <laughs> probably the best saltwater fly ever made. Um, I feel like a little bit more of like a mullet profile bait fish. Uh, you know, I've caught them on crustaceans, but I'm going to go to like a crapper style brush bait fish that's small, like a little bit of weight just to get it down. Uh, and like a sight fishing opportunity, um, you know, color would just depend on, on the water, but, uh, my favorite fly for trout of all time is a, is a gurgler, uh, like a gurgler or or one of our sippers, you know, in low light hours or, or when you know they're feeding, you know, heavy and want to eat, uh, just cause they're, you know, so explosive eating a top water. Uh, that can be, that can be a lot of fun. Um, traveling down to the space coast fishing with Ian down there we've done really good on like small weighted shrimp down there a lot of sight fishing there's times where you'll see a ton of them on the flat Mm -hmm. and uh when it's on it's it's a blast um but here i'm usually throwing like a like a slightly weighted bait fish i don't want it down to where it's going to get down in the grass but like a hovering style bait fish Mm -hmm. uh, usually gets the job done that's good Uh, info yeah, and then the, in the springtime, we get all the big ones. They they move on to the beaches. Mm-hmm. Um, so weighting the surface, the same thing. I throw, like like I said, I'll switch to, like, that weighted bait fish on the intermediate line mm-hmm. uh, for the trout and was getting the pompano to eat it. But, like, we call it a gravity minnow. It's like an EP A to Z minnow. It's like a it's like minnow head brush with a craft fur tail. Uh, but we just use, like, medium lead eyes on it to get it down. And uh, that thing, like white and chartreuse, it, it crushes the trout on the beach. Man, I really need to tap into to our surf fishing. I've, it's something I keep telling myself that I need to start doing, but it the allure of, <laughs> of finding redfish in the marsh is always just yeah. so powerful. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I do think it could just be so productive uh yeah in in to try it with fly fishing i love that you are are fly fishing in the surf i think that's super cool mm-hmm. um, it's actually like one of my favorite things like all last week we were pulling our you know it was really calm here we had a north wind which is offshore here um and it was super slick calm you know just little maybe half foot rollers and you know we pull we pull the beaches uh that's great finding you know big schools of redfish up shallow tons of black drum which they'll make you beat your head against the wall too. <laughs> yes, they will. Uh, oh, it's just like, I don't, it doesn't seem like it should be that hard sometimes, you know, <laughs> like know, sometimes man. you throw it, they eat, throw a black purple crab, it's on. And then the other day we just got denied over and over and it just, but that I like, I can't stop throwing, you know, I can't change gear. We had big schools of redfish where we had caught a ton of reds, you know, um, 
five or six nice four reds a piece, you know, upper slots. And then the, we found the drum and it was like, screw the redfish. I just, now I have to get one of these drum to eat. Just cause of the challenge. It's like, it's so hard. I've had a threw it 200 before when I ate too. <laughs> I felt <Yeah>. like. <laughs> yeah. They're hard. To, they're hard to get to eat here too. Yeah. On, on, on spin, on spin artificial and, and fly. I know if you throw like a half a blue crab in front of them, they'll eat it. But. Yeah, yeah, half a yeah. blue crab, gulp, yeah. uh, cut shrimp. Yeah, like they'll eat that, but they'll just swim over a fly sometimes. Like, I don't know, they're just so blind. They can't smell it, so they don't even see it. And then, they'll, you know, we had them track it. So they'll track it all the way to the boat. You can see them trying to eat it and missing. And, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're tricky, man. That's one of those fish, like, I love them. They, uh, they are I think really tricky. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, they are really tricky. Well, um, last question for you, and then and then we can wrap this up. But as far as fishing in Alabama is concerned, I, I when you were talking about it earlier, I thought about this: is have you seen more polling skiffs in the in the recent years, or has it all kind of been the same? Absolutely, more and more. Um, the shop by my house just started selling East Capes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just passed by. There's two new ones sitting out there, which you never saw anywhere with a Poland skiff. I mean, for years and years and years, and never saw one. Um, then, uh, you know, a few popped up four or five years ago, and now it's like this year is like an explosion. Now they're everywhere. Uh, I mean, I never saw anyone fly fishing growing up other than my good friend, Chris Vecce. He's like an all around awesome fisherman offshore to inshore and he always did it and he actually tried to get me into it uh and i was just too stubborn you know i was like that looks complicated i can't do it and then <laughs> you know later in life I had to pick it up but he was like really the only one i ever saw do it yeah and then you know i started fly fishing uh two years ago and around the same time like i started seeing you know you see people here and there and then this past year has just been just a total change our fly fishing club here has grown like i think it had a dozen members for less than a dozen members for 20 years and i think last year we had like 80 members wow yeah it's pretty wild to see you know we have a triple tail tournament our club hosts here every year um so people travel from all over i think like a lot of you know maybe it's you know the covid booms what they say you know a lot more people were out and looking for something new to do I don't, I don't know. I just think there's more people fishing and so there's, you know, and then social media makes it look cool. <laughs> you, know? Most so, you know, people show up, but I mean, I was on some jacks in the fall and I think I counted five skips around me throwing flies wow. and I was just like, where did they come from? You know, it's, hey, it's, yeah. I mean, it's awesome, it's awesome to see. I'd rather see more fly fishermen than, you know, anybody else. Yeah. You know, well. But it's, and it's good for you your know. business. <laughs> yeah, it's good for business. They're going to kill less fish, you know. That's right. Gener- that's right. Generally, you know, I keep fish, but occasionally, but, you know, so I told everybody. They're going to kill less fish, and they're going to catch less fish. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to catch way less fish. I said, do you want to, you know, you want the hardest thing to do, and you want to catch less fish, then start fly fishing. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, you want to get yeah. really frustrated a lot? Try fly Man. fishing. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I mean we've we here too. I mean it's just totally exploded. Um, yeah, I know Florida's. You know, it's obviously South Florida's been the mecca, and 
you go in there, it's all you see is skips, you know, and the keys and stuff. But yeah. I would imagine it's, you know, everywhere. It's exploding everywhere. And yeah. people are traveling. You know, the majority of our sales are actually from like inland. You know, we ship more saltwater flies to Colorado and Utah. Um, you know, Florida, of course, is number one for us because it's, you know, it's basically home and it's, you know, mm-hmm. huge. Everybody does it. But like the amount of flies we send to, you know, middle America is, it's kind of like eye opening. It's like, man, these, you know, it's definitely reaching places and a lot of people are traveling and that makes it a lot of fun. We get a lot of customers reaching out to us that are, you know, lifelong fly guys, but they're, you know, new to the salt or they're going to travel. They're going to go, I'm going to go to Belize or I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to Baja. I need some Marlin flies, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, And and those are our favorite customers to have, you know, or people that just, just moved to the coast and they go, I'm in Mosquito Lagoon. I just moved here to the area, you know, build me a redfish box. And that like, I love helping those people that are, that are new to the sport. Cause that was me not too long ago, you know, and like didn't really have, I had a couple of friends that really like helped, but, uh, you know, as much information as there is out there on the internet, you can get lost in it really fast. So it's really cool to have those customers that want to reach out that's one of our favorite things to do is go shopping for someone else (laughs) yeah yeah i believe it man and yeah to your point i mean there's just there's so much information now it's almost too much information yeah um yeah because you can get pulled any direction you know 100 percent. it's really really hard you can very much get lost in it i i I completely agree with you there um well sam man I, I, i really appreciate you jumping on here uh it was an absolute pleasure talking to you how can yeah? Thank you. What is uh? How can people find you on social media and 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 order flies from you? Um, spacecoastflies.com is our uh, website, and uh, at spacecoastflies on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, we also have a YouTube channel with some with some fly tying tutorials, and we need to we need to film a lot more. There's just almost too much to do, not enough time to do it. But uh, yeah, we we're constantly on social media if you want to reach out you can email us up us line on the site you know hit us up on instagram we try to stay pretty active and you know help people as much as we can we're working on a bunch of new products this year we got a lot of a lot of exciting things uh coming here in the near future trying to do some unique stuff and and we're always looking for tires with unique patterns so if you tie then uh you know if you do production reach out <laughs> there you go yeah, I'd, I'd just I'd highly re- recommend Space Coast Flies. They have uh, just some absolute beautiful flies and 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 some really productive ones. Um, so, again, Sam, thank you so much. We will, yeah, uh, man, we'll you. definitely thank have you. you so much. We'll definitely have you on again here in the near yeah, future. Yeah, I'd love to. Awesome. All right, man. All right, appreciate it. <laughs>